Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. Today, Nancy and I are looking at an article called Intralesional Application of Medical Grade Honey Improves Healing of Surgically Treated Lacerations in Horses. And this is by H.H. Mandel et al. And it was published in 2019 with the British Equine Veterinary Association, so BEVA Journal. This study in particular is interesting because honey is definitely a growing area when it comes to treating wounds. In veterinary and in human medicine, it's becoming more popular. And what they did was they used honey in closing the wounds to see if applying it on the inside before closing the skin would improve healing and reduce um, infection rates and wound breakdown which is our biggest concern and particularly in horses this is a big issue with horses that get any kinds of wounds on their legs we know they're the hardest ones to heal so this setting was particularly interesting from that point of view because they used 127 horses 69 were treated with medical grade honey and then 58 were control cases so the control cases those horses did have wounds but they weren't treated with the medical grade honey. Overall, there were no side effects from using the medical grade honey. Um, And there was an overall um, shift in the data basically towards the honey being more effective than not using it. So it was improving healing times and was reducing the instance of wound breakdown. The one thing they did note in the study, though, was that in the control group, there were slightly more horses that did have leg wounds. So that could potentially have a little bit of a bias. But in general, it looks like honey is pretty useful in wound healing, which it's funny because I've heard that a number of years ago in passing, and I haven't found anything to back it up, but I had heard that if you use honey on a wound, the hair wouldn't grow back a different color in horses. I don't know if you've ever heard that, Nancy, but that was something in the past. People used to say, if you use Manuka honey on the wounds, then it'll heal and the hair should grow back the same color. Well, this reading this paper, and I don't have a lot of experience in using honey. Um, I, I may buy some because it's relatively available in this country and it's got so many antibacterial properties and um, microbial populations. It tends to eradicate that biofilm that can form over a wound. And then uh, it also has an anti-inflammatory effect. So it reduces swelling and then the one of the neat things was it provides the nutrients that wounds need for healing. And then um, 
it's really big with angiogenesis. And I had to look up what is that, but it actually allows for new blood vessels to form from the old blood vessels that are still present. And so that is what they think reduces the healing time. And of course, um, they found out that infected wounds, that is your biggest cause of, of sutured wounds being broke open, um, not holding because there's no healing going on because of infection. So uh, that's one thing I did notate in, in this paper is that if the, they demanded that the vets have a wound that was um, closed or sutured, if it was a wound that was allowed to remain open, they didn't put it in the study. And that wound breakdown, I didn't realize this percentage was so high, but in I knew lower limb wounds are more prone to breakdown in horses, but up to 74% of surgically repaired lower limb wounds. So if your horse has cut its limb, cut one of its legs, you know, there's a chance as high as 74% that that will break down after repair. Um, which I suppose is an important factor for us to remember as well, you know, because it can be it can be really easy to become frustrated with the vet and feel like they may not have helped. But it really is a complicated thing in horses because that tension and that movement in the legs and also the legs, you know, aren't as highly vascular. So as Nancy said, another benefit of this is that angio um the words just gone out of my head as I was saying it. What what was it called? Nancy? Oh, angiogenesis. Angiogenesis. That's it. Yep. Um, but it is really important. Like the if you take one thing away from this, it has to be medical grade honey. And I do think you can buy medical grade honey pretty easily online. You cannot use raw honey or food grade honey. Yeah. Because it's not been treated the same way. So medical grade honey is sterilized using gamma irradiation and that eradicates any kind of bacteria or bacterial spores without damaging the properties in the honey. So that that is a big one. If you're using something like raw honey, you're potentially introducing bacterial spores and introducing clostridium and that's going to cause botulism or gangrene in the wound. So it can be really dangerous. Yeah, that that's very important. And medical grade honey is available in our drug stores. And I, I was surprised I, I had never really looked into this before. And there are ratings for it. So uh, you have to make sure there's a UMF rating and or an MGO certified rating. And you have to make sure that UMF is 10 plus, preferably 15 plus, because then the MGO rating is gonna be 550 or higher. And you're pretty much kind of wasting your money if you go with lower ratings, especially when it comes to horses that have wounds because horses live in dirty environments. So um, one article I read said to make sure it the UMF is 15 plus, 10 plus at the minimum, and then your MGO 
is it can go up to 800 but anyway um and very affordable so i think next time i'm out and about i'm going to pick up a tube just to have on hand it was really interesting that the two types or they really had three types of sutures or um wounds that they sutured and it was uh less than four centimeter and all the way up to um, over 10 centimeters. And the longest wound was 37 centimeters or like 14 and a half inches long. And so they had two ways, either they uh, took a, like a spatula type uh, sterile device and covered the wound and then sutured, or they went ahead and left the top and the bottom of the wound open, sutured the middle, and then inserted a syringe at the top of the wound and let the honey drain down. So there were two ways to apply it. And there were 11 veterinary practitioners that did this study. And the study went over a two-year period. And actually, uh, any of the wounds treated with honey um, did not get infected, and uh, either method worked. So that was quite interesting that they uh, thought enough to, to try two different methods of applying the honey. With um, honey as well, as a passing note, so in this, they said that it has those three antibacterial mechanisms. It is osmotically active, and has a low pH and also contains the enzyme glucose oxidase. So this basically transforms sugars into um, hydrogen peroxide. Um, and it has the, that's what creates antiseptic properties. But hydrogen peroxide can also damage tissues. So they've said here it's worth investigating whether these negative traits can play a role as well when honey's placed in a wound. And this stood out to me because I went to a um, seminar by a veterinary surgeon in the UK who was specialized in advanced wound treatment in small animals. And um, she dealt a lot with, you know, burns and lacerations and advanced skin grafting techniques and techniques where, um, there had to be modified surgical approaches to make the skin stretch, essentially. But she did have a case where they used honey in a cat and it actually ended up almost leaving the skin like the skin had been burned. Um, so her advice with that was that honey works incredibly well where there is infection, but you have to be very careful in applying it because you can get this almost tissue damage from it in certain cases too so the upside though is that this study didn't find that and i think it's probably the ratio so like the amount of honey that was being used because this was a substantial wound on a cat you know it was under its belly but it was probably from its ribs down to its thighs which is almost half the cat and realistically we're not covering half the horse so I think probably surface area played a role in this too and how much the honey was using that osmo 
osmotic effect, maybe drawing fluid out of the tissues and also potentially um, that, um, oh, that glucose oxidase, maybe that hydrogen peroxide effect too. So it's definitely worth looking into further. I think it's fairly safe in horses though, just again, because of that ratio that we're using the honey comparative to their size. And you know what, Kate, I was going to say that because of that glucose oxidation that occurs, it kind of turns that into a hydrogen peroxide, which that can be a little caustic too. And then if you've cleaned the wound with hydrogen peroxide, which they really don't endorse that as much these days. It depends on the wound and the um, specifics of it on what you should clean a wound with. But um, I, I was wondering about that myself, if it's one of those properties of the honey that kind of was uh, a little caustic to that cat wound. Now, also on the racetrack, we, this is an old timer saying, but if you're treating a leg injury and you're switching treatments, we always take Castile soap, which Castile soap is like pure soap. You can buy it in any store. And I, I don't know, Kate, do you have Castile in Ireland? Yeah, we don't we don't use it a lot. Well, I haven't anyway. Um, well, but I've heard of it. We you do not have a racing barn that does not have a couple bars of Castile soap. And what you do is you soap up that leg with that Castile, and that Castile is such great soap. It strips all that previous medication you've used on that leg. So if you've done a furazone sweat on a horse's leg and you want to switch and say you want to use this honey, I would recommend you castile all that old medication away, let the uh, leg dry and then apply your new treatment because if you're just hosing it away and using dish soap or another kind of soap, it might not take all that furazone away and your new treatment could blister the horse and blister that leg. So you always want to take any previous medication and strip it away with that Castile soap. And tell you what, I learned that from an old timer and I continue to do it on any wound treatment that I'm doing on a horse, especially lower leg. And it, even a shoulder sometimes is hard to get to heal because of the um, leverage a horse will put on its shoulder and if they try and suture it, it'll break open and all that. So you just make sure that you switch treatments. You're always going to castile and rinse that thoroughly because even the medication will get in the hair coat. I think that's a great piece of advice. You know, be careful in what you're mixing. If you've been prescribed a certain cream or something to use for the wound, don't try and use honey as well on top of that. That's um, and if the wound has been seen by a vet, then check with them before you put honey on it as well. Yeah. So 
the vet will tell you, don't be mixing because that hair coat traps a lot of this in and there's chemical reactions that occur between each different uh, topical ointment. So I really, ne I never am without a bar of Castile soap, whatever it is I'm treating, even if it's a little nick on an ankle or something and I'm switching, say, from Furazone to Shriners, which Shriners is a herbal spray that heals very well. Um, I always cast steel. Even though the Shriner says, will not blister, I don't take a chance. I always cast steel in. Uh, I mean, that's always worked for me. I've never had a wound fester or get angry, as we call it. Um. I think that's definitely good advice. I'm going to look up that Castile soap. I love it. We we would use um, chlorhexidine a lot, I suppose, but that's from, you would get that in hospitals or in veterinary, and that is brilliant. Like, chlorhexidine is so good, diluted for cleaning wounds. It's yeah. toxic to mucous membranes, so you have to be careful with it. But I think, so as... You can just buy chlorhexine online. They sell it on Amazon. Um, I think, and I would have to double check, there are some issues with um, resistance towards chlorhexidine because I heard, now I heard, <laughs> it could be Chinese whispers, <laughs> but you would wash your hands with it so much. You know, like nurses and doctors in hospitals would wash their hands with it so much. And apparently there was a study that showed that nurses, then if they were to have chlorhexidine used on one of their wounds, it didn't work as effectively um, just because they'd been so exposed to it and were cleaning their hands with it all the time. But I don't know how true that is. But chlorhexidine's great. You can, so cheap, you can order like five liters of it online, which is probably a gallon over there, I think. Yeah. Um, my conversion's going to let me down now. But you can buy a big drum of it online <laughs> for pretty cheap. And it's handy um, to keep around. Probably does the same thing as the Castile soap in that sense, just giving it a good clean. Yeah, I don't know if the chlorohexidine, now in racetrack medicine, we would never apply a furazone on top of a wound that was cleaned with chlorohexidine, we would make sure we castilled all the chlorohexidine out and then okay. apply the furazone just because of the possible blister effect. Now, we use a lot of blister agents on the track. And what that means is if a horse has um, a puffy ankle and it's time for a little time off, months time off out in the pasture with the herd, um, you'll blister an ankle, say, and you'll use like a Doc Halsey blister, and then that'll cause a little uh, reaction to take place under the hair coat, and it'll get a little puffy and warm. But then that's, in essence, calling all the blood to come to that area and heal that ankle. So we'll do things like that, but you never want to do them unintentionally and you never want to 
over blister to the point that you're going to create more injury. So, but anyway, um, yeah, just be careful. The honey, the one good thing about it is it did not create any resistance. So, and it was because of the symbiotic uses that it has with different organisms. So they couldn't ever see where it was creating a, a type of a, um, you know, bacteria resistant to it. That was kind of interesting in itself on why I wouldn't be opposed to using honey to help um, keep that resistance down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the study did say, though, um, further research is needed. So this study in itself isn't enough to go on. And there does need to be more multi-center studies carried out using wound models um, to determine you know how effective it is and also to look at those potential downsides as well so there was just a potential for bias in this study that they couldn't quantify and that's why they have that almost caveat in there too so what which is interesting as well i mean that opens up for a lot more work to be done in this area and don't you find, Kate, all of us that are horse people, once we get on to something that we know works, we're hesitant to get away from it. Our, oh, definitely. Know, and also it spreads quickly. If you know that it works, <laughs> everyone starts doing it. Well, and you know, it's like I'm so hesitant to change my routine if that type of wound healing has worked. You know, yeah. it's but this honey... I mean, it, it's interesting that of all the, um, you know, properties that it has, I might have to have a spare tube to try on some smaller wounds and uh, just kind of see if it works as good as my herbal um, ointment does or some of the other things that I tend to use. So, but anyway, I wanted to thank Jill um, for recommending this because um I would have never investigated it. I get kind of stuck in a rut and do my same old, same old. So this was good to read up on and learn more about it. Definitely. Thanks, Jill. And if anyone has any other suggestions or any areas you're interested in, then do just drop Nancy and I a message. And you can do that on Facebook or on Instagram. And we love hearing, you know, areas that you're interested in. That's how we've come across some areas of research that we would never think to look. So even if it's a broad topic that you want to know a little bit more about, send it our way and we can have a look and see what we can find. Yep. And don't forget for any type of wound management, run it by your vet before you do it and make sure he's on board with you. Cause if something goes wrong, then you'll have a resource to call out or to, um, you know, have come out and take a look at, at what's going on or whatever. Cause I tell you what, even the smallest of wounds can kind of become out of control very quickly if infection sets in. So you don't want to get a joint infection or have anything like that crop up. Always uh, keep your vet in the loop. And we know horses can be so prone to that proud flesh, that granulation tissue. Yeah. So definitely worth getting the vet in at an early stage um, to keep the wounds under control so you don't end up with those big gnarly looking wounds that take forever to heal 
Yep. Sounds good. Well, I think that's about all I had um, on this. Kate, did you have anything else? No, I think that's everything for this week. And then uh, next week, we're going to kind of do a year-end roundup and review what we covered. I mean, I don't know how we keep coming up with more topics, but (laughs) we're going to go back and just uh, rehash the previous uh, 12 months, and then uh, we'll take a week off, and then we'll be back in the new year with new topics and we appreciate you all um, coming every week and sending the messages and all that. Um, I hope we can continue to keep it entertaining and informational is the main thing um, for everyone. Definitely. So we'll see you all next week for that roundup. Um, And until then, take care. Okay. Thanks Kate so much. Bye-bye.